0: That's right, and welcome. We are all now on Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. You know who we are, Les Jackson here at the wheel, Fred Staub over at the other wheel.
2: We're infamous. We're in a, we're in
0: a <laughs> trainer van, that's right. And, uh, you know, as usual, we... Uh, we are going to throw out as much information about the auto industry as we possibly can. It's going to be a cool show.
1: Yeah, got a lot of stuff, new models, and celebrating one very old model. So we'll we'll start with, yes. though...
0: Well, wait a minute. Are you talking about me?
1: <laughs> Why Did you have a modeling career? Well, I, we don't talk about it actually. Ah, no. Okay. Les, Les Jackson was a sock model. It's it's <laughs> it's revealed now. Here on Cruise uh, Control you're Radio. Right.
0: <laughs> I was I was I was in Argyle <laughs> heaven for many years.
1: They called him Argyle Jackson. That's what That's was. it That's <laughs> it. Uh, well, we're going to start with this is Volvo about to build the safest car in the world. Potentially, and that makes sense. They build safe cars, don't they?
0: They do. They always have, Uh, much before others did anyway. And we also want to talk about new versions of the Toyota 86 and Subaru BRZ, one in the same.
1: Yeah, and uh, are on the way. We love those cars, those the uh, yeah, two-seat, uh, two-seat rear-wheel-drive cars. Um, so pretty cool that we get a new version of that. Kia's got a hot-selling crossover, but what will happen when its competition from its cousin comes online? We'll tell you about that.
0: That's right, and VW, and this is a fun story, fixes the Abbey Road album, <laughs> and, and we we'll I have a little story about that, too, and Top Gear is selling a reasonably priced car.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's actually the one. I, I don't think I want something they've been driving.
1: No, no, although I think 20 celebrities have driven it, so you know, everyone's going, oh, wow, that guy sat here and drove it. Mm, okay. Um Plus, we're going to learn about 80 years of the Lincoln Continental from Ted Ryan, who who has a great job. He is Ford and Lincoln's archive and heritage brand manager. So he's going to tell us 80 years. It's got an interesting story, too, where it came about. I pulled up some old copies of it. One is really cool. It's got half a roof Uh, and a Palladian uh, glass on the side. So we're going to ask Ted all about that and uh, and talk about the heritage there. All that and a whole lot more when we get rolling on this edition of Cruise Control Radio. That's the show you're listening to. Don't forget... Uh, We got uh, some cool stuff over at our Facebook page, and you can uh, go over to CruiseControlRadio.com. It's the easiest way to link over to our Facebook, Twitter feeds, YouTube page. You can also uh, check out the podcast. If you miss an edition of Cruise Control Radio, you can catch up right there with our podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to that. Fred Stobb, Les Jackson. We will be right back with more Cruise Control. Listen to the live feed of Cruise Control Radio every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com to find out how to do it. Is your car starting to show its age? Over time, paint becomes oxidized, faded, and scratched. But you can restore that tired paint and repair those scratches with the paint restoration system from 3M. It's an affordable way to make those repairs in your garage in just one afternoon with basic tools. The kit contains all of the restoration products and polishing pads you need to bring your vehicle's paint back to like-new condition. For more information, visit www.3mcarcare.com. Cruise Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine. We've got a lot to get to, Les. Starting off with Volvo potentially building the first fully electric super safe car the safest car ever xc40 will be all electric That's the only way you'll buy it and by 2025 volvo says evs will make up half of its sales so they're starting with this xc40 suv it's going to debut at the end of the year uh, and uh, it is going to be one of the safest cars on the road.
0: So yep, B- body structure is going to be
1: completely reengineered. It has to because let's face it, the engine, especially if it's across the car, is a big safety barrier, isn't it?
0: It is. Uh, it's it's designed to be destroyed in mm-hmm. a crash, but mm-hmm. in so doing, it's soaking up energy. Yep.
1: The battery is protected uh, by a safety cage uh, of extruded aluminum, and it is in the middle of the body structure, down low, of course, for for weight to lower the center of gravity. But when you think of it, that leaves like an empty space out front, doesn't it?
0: Well, it does. Uh, and And that space, again, if you engineer it correctly... Um, it, it can be a tremendous uh, crush device think of a think of uh, you know these uh, aluminum soda cans that get crushed and it looks like an accordion
2: mm-hmm.
0: well that's ideally what you want the front end to do mm-hmm. at, at a designated rate and uh, that lowers what's known as the is the, uh, the crash pulse mm-hmm by elongating the amount of time between the time you hit something and the time you come to an a-
1: absolute stop. You think about this, this. This is something they had to do on the C8 Corvette, too. A lot of the journalists noticed it when we were at the reveal that it was so heavily built in the front because <laughs> it's been a long while <laughs> since GM has built a mid-engine car, Corvair, the last one, or Fiero. Uh, and a lot of things have changed as far as crash structure goes. You need to put some serious structure up front there, because it's just air you're compressing now, right? That's right. So uh, this, I look forward to driving this. I think it's going to be pretty amazing, don't you? I think so too,
0: um, because you know, first of all, it'll be just interesting to drive, period. Mm-hmm. But then also, uh, how will it handle? It'll surely have a light front end. So it should have real
1: crisp handling. Hmm. We'll have to Um, see. We'll have to see. see. Here's good news. On to our next story here. Here's good news. You and I like the Toyota 86 and Subaru BRZ. We said these are great cars. They'd be great autocrossers. Uh, Just a great first car, first new car. They're rear drive. Very sporty. Um, In certain ways, they remind me of the... um, 240z that's i always thought about that when i think about the toyota 86 or brz that's uh that's a good comparison um and a lot of performance uh but yet you're not you know no big v8 there but you get a lot of performance and they haven't really caught on as far as sales go and and there was a very real possibility that we weren't going to see uh, new generations of this, but now it has been announced, according to Toyota's chief engineer, uh, that the Toyota 86, the next generation, will be even more fun to drive than the Supra. And, wow. and uh, you know, that they are going to definitely keep up the Subaru-Toyota um, uh, partnership, and they're going to develop all-wheel drive models uh, that will uh, offer, as they put it, the ultimate sensation in all-wheel driving. Now, here's the thing: Do you think they're going to? Um, do you think they're going to raise the price of these things way up? To
0: I yeah, I, I think so. First of all, they're they're kind of bargain priced.
1: They make a great autocrosser, one of those used, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. They. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, I think they will raise the price. They can't go too far, though, because there just isn't the, uh, the nationwide. There isn't the audience of buyers who typically are young people mm-hmm. who want two-door cars.
1: Yeah. Now, they do have some room to rock, though, because they want to make it less expensive than the Supra, and the Supra is pretty expensive. So True. you know, they, they do have some uh, wor- room to work with there, I guess, as you say it. Uh, hey, you're listening to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine. Don't forget we're on the web at CruiseControlRadio.com. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Links are there. Check out the podcast edition, all there. We're going to have Kia's hot-selling crossover when we come back on Cruise Control Radio with Fred Stobb and Les Jackson. Stay tuned. For the latest updates on Cruise Control, follow us on Twitter at Rad. That's C R U I S E C T R L R A D cruise control rad.
0: Cruise control. Welcome back to cruise control lesson, Fred. Rolling. We are we are happy about the uh, Toyota Subaru partnership, but we're also happy about Kia. That's right. And uh, good company, Kia. Yep, they are. And you know their their telluride is, uh, it's 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 selling well. But boy, there's nothing cheap anymore.
1: Now they call that a midsize. I call that a full size. Man, that it, thing it is seems
0: weird. seems big to me. I mean, I sat in one at the auto show uh,
1: last last uh, spring. I drove one uh, a couple of months ago. And people loved it. They were like, wow, look at this thing. Because it looks much more expensive. It does. It looks sort of Land Rover-like. You know, it's got that kind of that flush look body. And, uh, you know, it starts at under $32,000. But uh, according to Cox Automotive, the average transaction price for these telerides is north of $40,000. Uh and that means that most buyers are going for the loaded-up models, which I think is pretty much standard across the board. Most people don't buy base models. Uh, and and when we were talking about the F-150 deals uh, a little earlier, um, the deals are to be had on those mid, mid-level vehicles, but not on the top-of-the-line ones, right?
0: Well, that's right. Although, you know, I guess people just, when they're spending – in the mid '30s, they figure, well, if I'm spending this much, uh, I may as well go a couple thousand more and get the other things I really kind of want. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, when you load it up, <clears throat> excuse me, when you load it up um, to forty thousand dollars, the price comes very close to something like an Acura MDX or an Infiniti QX60, uh, Lexus RX. Uh, or the volvo xc90 uh but it's not close to prices like audi bmw and mercedes what they're charging for things um i don't think kia cares about that they don't see themselves as an entry-level brand anymore do they
0: no they don't as a matter of fact i think they think themselves as kind of the level of buick uh maybe even cadillac um and they don't apologize for it. You're getting a tremendous amount for the money and, of course, the world's best
1: warranty. Yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, the style also, its just it just looks a lot more expensive than it is. And uh, they've got a hit on their hands. We told you last week that their, their former Halo, the Stinger, is not selling well, may not have another generation out of it. But uh, it doesn't matter because they're selling a lot of Tellurides, and that's what people want. Uh, yep. and it is a good vehicle. I'll have to say that. It is a cool-looking vehicle. Had Mine had was silver with blacked-out wheels. I got a lot of compliments on it and comments on it. So, uh, Very cool story here. A couple of VW stores. First of all, what would you say if we changed the Jetta to the J197X23?
0: I was thinking of changing it to uh, the Igdezius 12 and a half.
1: All right, or how about the um, Beetle? We can change it to the B311X2-5. slash Excellent, <laughs> well, excellent, because what, that won't cause any confusion at all. What are we doing? Well, we're talking about Johan Denishan, who uh, was a fresh out of Cadillac. If you remember, he's the guy that moved Cadillac to New York. We're not sure why, mm-hmm. and neither is GM. Um and he changed the names of many Cadillacs to letter and number combinations. We're not sure why, uh, yep. but he has gone back to Volkswagen as the well, COO now, of North I th- America.
0: I think we can pretty well assume he was thrown uh, <laughs> <laughs> back because I, I'm the word in on the street or through the grapevine is that he was told by GM. Uh,
1: Go away. <laughs> okay. Well, he is back at Volkswagen as the chief operating officer for the North American region. He had formerly worked at Audi. I remember when they took over Cadillac, and he had a really, a guy, that the marketing guy, I asked the question of him at an event, um, Why? why do you think you have to change these names? He said, because our customers are stupid, and they compare a five with a five. Yeah, well, and you know I, I was like, and I said to him, "Really? <laughs> like, <laughs> did you just say that?" <laughs> and he did. Yes, he did say it. It wasn't Johann Denishian; it was his marketing guy, and it was yeah. a pretty arrogant guy. But, but but still, people are worried about him changing the names. A uh, car and driver had an article. They said, "Please don't change the names. We like Atlas. We like, um, you know, we we like Jetta. We like Golf." although I never understood it, but, uh, uh, you know, it is part of it. We don't want letters and numbers. We don't like letters and numbers. And they
0: never ever have had letters and numbers for Volkswagen.
1: Yeah. They had some weird names. Tiguan. That's a weird name. Right. Uh, you know, but, uh, I, I don't want to see the Atlas name changed. Do you? I like that Well, no.
0: I, 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 You know, we've made it clear over the years that we hate letters and numbers. They, they don't mean anything.
1: Don't mean anything. And you know what? People are not stupid. Don't think your customers are stupid. They can figure it out. You know, if they want a midsize sedan, they know it's the Jetta. You know, it's... Uh. That's right. And once again, he didn't say that. His marketing guy did. But I was my jaw dropped. I yeah. Thought,
0: God. Well, I just hope that he's, he's going to you know, be there as an administrator.
1: Yeah, C- uh, and not
0: as a marketing uh, guru because he's proven he's
1: not good at marketing <laughs> <laughs> with Cadillac. Hey, uh, here's another VW story, though. This is fun, isn't it? Uh, the Abbey Road album cover, of course, with the Beatles walking across the street at Abbey Road, and there was a VW Beetle parked up on the curb. Uh, apparently VW has always been worried about this. <laughs> um, not that I think it reflects on VW because people will park your car whatever way they want. But anyway, they were so worried about it after 50 years to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' Abbey Road album, they have done something about it, haven't they?
0: They have. Uh, d- through the use of um,
1: Photoshop. Digital
0: com- computer work.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: they've managed to properly park the uh, beetle, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, showcase their, uh, their advanced, uh, parking assistance systems. But I think that's really, really cool. It I, is. I, I, hope, I want to get them to send me a poster of this.
1: <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> I'd like the vintage beetle actually myself. Maybe they can send yes. me that. But, uh, uh, you know, Volkswagens were always reasonably priced cars. Good transportation, right? Absolutely. Well, this week, Top Gear, there's a Top Gear car that is available, a reasonably priced car for auction. If you recall, they would always put a star in a reasonably priced car because the insurance would not allow them to be in dri- driving supercars or anything like that, or Probably they had a lot of insurance themselves. Uh, they were working on films and albums and things like that. They didn't want them to get wrecked. So they would they would put a uh, very low-power, safe car with a full roll cage and, and race seats and that onto the track, and they would drive it. So the 1.6-liter Vauxhall Astra—which is a nice little car, actually. I've driven those— uh, was used from 2013 through 2015 on the show. It's popped up on the auction site you in the UK called Collecting Cars. Uh, it has been well-maintained and has a decal across the hood listing the celebrities that thrashed their way around the Top Gear tress, test track. There's 22 of them that drove it. Uh, and uh, this is basically a Chevy Cruze hatchback, by the way, but it's been uh, driven by the likes of Will Smith, Hugh Jackman, Benedict Cumberbatch, Margot Robbie, Kiefer Sutherland, Ron Howard, Steve Tyler, Jillian Anderson, and Aaron Paul. Um, So so there you have it. You can get this car. You can auction. The first bid is 500 pounds, which is around $620. So if you're looking for something like that, you do get the five-point safety harnesses, camera mounts, and Corblow Sprint racing seats kind of a fun piece to have if you have a yeah. uh, have a museum or something like that. Hey, when we come back, we're going to celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Lincoln Continental, so stay tuned. Cruise Control Radio goes live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. To listen, click the link on our homepage. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine. Fred Staub, Les Jackson, we are at the wheel of the Cruise Control van, which is celebrating its
0: what anniversary uh it's uh, well that's because no manufacturer would ever put their name on it
1: yeah i mean we started driving it in 2005 but we don't really know where it was before that but uh, that's okay hey don't forget to check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com you can like us on facebook follow us on twitter check out the podcast edition of the show Check out our YouTube page. It's all there. CruiseControlRadio.com We love celebrating the history of the automobile. And uh, coming up very soon on October 2nd, Lincoln will celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Lincoln Continental. One of the best car names. We were also just talking about how car names are so important as opposed to letters and numbers. So uh, these are very memorable. Uh, We thought... We should celebrate this. And Ted Ryan, who has a really cool job, he is the Ford and Lincoln Archives and Heritage Brand Manager, has joined us. Ted, welcome to Cruise Control Radio.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Oh, we are excited. And uh, the history goes all the way back to like 1938, and it involves a trip to Europe by uh, Ford, then Ford Company President Edsel Ford, right? Right.
2: That's right, and Edsel Ford, you can consider him the father of the of the Continental. He and his wife Eleanor took a trip to Europe in 1938, and he was immediately struck by how attractive the design of the cars were in the luxury market. Uh, American cars at that time, even the Lincoln itself, the, the Zephyr that was was out, and the the other high-end cars, they were square, they were boxy, they they didn't have the sleek elegance that he felt the europeans uh, cars had so he came back and he had bob gregory his lead designer who by the way was a yacht designer before he entered the automobile industry another little tidbit mm-hmm. they worked together to to create the first continental which was going to be nothing more than a prototype they lengthened it by 12 inches so the hood was long and they lowered the car by four inches so it had a low uh, look and the the sleek low continental design was born One that Frank Lloyd Wright called the most beautiful car in the world, and he actually bought and owned two of them. And it was celebrated by uh, the Museum of Modern Art in 1946 as one of the eight design classics of all time. So a a very well-designed car.
0: They, you know, they really were beautiful um, back then. And even uh, in the ensuing years, uh, one of my favorite cars, Lincolns, of all, was the mid fifties uh, Continental Mark II that was just such a, just such a smooth, yeah, uh, and very expensive
2: car, but it was just gorgeous. It was the the Lincoln the original uh, Mark One the original generation was only from nineteen thirty nine actually October second we're going to celebrate that birthday. Uh, wow. 1939. Only 25 were pro- produced that first year for the 1940 model year. Wow! And it went away in 1948, so only 5,000 of those. But then the Mark II came along, 1956-57. And it is considered one of the most beautiful cars in the world, one of the best design. At the time, it was also the most expensive car in the world. And it was owned by and coveted by celebrities, so you had Frank Sinatra owning one. Uh, President Eisenhower owned one. It, it was a car that if you wanted to be noticed and you wanted to drive the most luxurious car in the world, uh, you wanted a Lincoln Mark II.
1: We were talking with Ted Ryan, who is the Ford Lincoln Archives and Heritage brand manager, about the history of the Continental. I just want to go back again and t- talk about the original Ted um, was uh, you look at that? It definitely looks like a 40 Ford in the front. It's got the recognizable Ford grill in the front. It's got like a half roof. I'm looking at a picture I have here uh, just for reference from uh, the Haggerty folks. It's got like a half roof and what looks like Palladian style glass arch top glass in the back. Um, wild design. The first generation though. Uh, it came out right before World War II. Were they produced during World War II, or did was that all stopped?
2: That was all stopped. And actually, um, one other side note on the story as I was telling you is the that original prototype was just for Edsel. That was going to be Edsel's car, uh-huh. and it was as you designed it was a cabriolet, it was a convertible, and. It, it, it distinctively had the spare tire on the back and of the, the car, continental kit. which created, yeah, Great. that created that the Continental look. Continental he took kit. it to Florida with them and received so much praise. And it reportedly, 200 people ordered Continentals just on the look of that one car that they actually went to production. So, uh, But to answer your question, they, they quit production in 1942 and resumed after the war, uh, with 1947 being one of the biggest years of sales. Uh, but but discontinued the, f- the first gen- uh, generation in 1948,
1: and and then and then that's when we get into the Mark ones and the Mark twos that look more like a a car from the 50s, for lack of a better term, lower and uh, longer,
2: lower longer with the slab the, the straight sided uh, uh, nature of the car, and then in 1961 they went back to the design board again and the famous coach door. Lincoln Continental was born with the center opening doors, uh, which once again set a design standard. That wasn't the first ever coach door. I always get asked that. It was, it was the 61. No, the, Lincoln actually had a coach door, Lincoln, in the mid-20s. Uh, but mm. the 61 brought this, this design ethos again and, and introduced the coach doors to the point that everybody, uh, once again, if you're a who's who in the world, you want your coach door, Lincoln Continental, 1961.
1: Now was, that's that, right. was that controversial? Uh, you 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 hear about these controversies, like of course the split window Corvette, nineteen sixty three was was the coach door controversial within Ford with camps liking liking it and other camps saying, nah, that's too radical. We're going to alienate people, or was it just like, hey, let's do this, and everyone was on board.
2: Every design, every car that, and we've got the, the documentation from the design committee. It's always. Uh, there's always discussions. We'll put it that way about what is the proper proper look and feel of a car. So there were conversations around, have we gone too far with this? But ultimately, the design won out, and it was a classic. The actual the sales brochure from that 1961 car actually opens in the middle, just like the car does. So imagine you've got it flat on the table, and you pull the left and right fly out, and you see the beautiful <laughs> Continental inside. So they were they were highlighting the the unique characteristic of the coach doors uh, in the early sales literature and with, with the car itself. Um, when I talk to Lincoln people or when I talk to general car enthusiasts, and I talked to a lot of them, given my job, that's the Lincoln most point to that they remember. They remember the coach door Lincoln.
1: Wow. A lot of engineering too, Les, to make that happen. Oh, yeah. In fact, I remember,
0: Isn't didn't one of the windows, when you open the doors, one of the windows dropped a quarter inch or
2: so it did, and uh, it was. It had a lot of different features, too. It had some of the early auto locking doors, and, and uh, uh, the thing about Lincoln is uh, Edsel Ford said it best. He said, my father made the most popular car in the world. I want to build the best car in the world. And every one of these generations of the Continentals that we're going through has that Edsel Ford DNA running through it. What is the absolute best car that we can build at this exact moment?
0: He was a very, very classy guy. I I read a lot about him um, uh, when I was in college and um, starting to get involved with cars. And uh, really a a brilliant guy, uh, but also one with just uh,
2: impeccable tastes. That's true. And I don't think within the general auto enthusiast world, he gets enough credit because he brought the design, style, and feel. I mean— Bob Gregory, and he founded the first styling department in all of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the the Continental was not the only car that came out the, the, of that design department. You know, so he he brought that design ethos. He's also one of the heroes of, of Ford during the early stages of uh, World War II, converting the factories from automobile manufacturing to armaments to support the troops. So right. uh, Edsel Ford was a pioneer in the automobile industry and. And and a number of ways. I'm glad we're celebrating this birthday because I get to talk about him more than I do at any other point in time. So it's interesting too. For the 80th birthday, do you know what Lincoln did? They went back and they reissued a special 80th anniversary Lincoln Continental with coach doors.
0: Yes. We announced oh, the program neat. in
2: 1919, and and here coming up on the 80th anniversary, the first of the cars are are being delivered Fair. to celebrate that anniversary.
1: Very cool. And
2: the. Look at the pictures of that one. It's just beautiful. And there may be more news on the 2020 model year to come out, okay? Can't yeah, confirm I- or deny anything yet, but I can tease to, to <laughs> keep your ear in this space.
1: <laughs> People who are in the know, that's as yes, they say. I have a feeling he is in the know. Yes, we are talking with Ted Ryan, who is Ford Lincoln Archive and Heritage Brand Manager. Ted's going to stick with us because we're only up to the early 50s, I think, in talking about the Lincoln Continental. we got a break coming up here in a little bit on Cruise control radio. Uh beautiful cars. Um I happen to like because you know I remember them more. The ones from the 70s with the super long hood. Uh even some of the later uh 70s ones when they were so-called downsized were pretty cool. But we're going to talk about all of them when we come back on cruise control radio celebrating the history of the Lincoln Continental, the super styled vehicle from the folks at Lincoln. I'm Fred Stobb, He's Les Jackson. You're tuned to Cruise Control. Check us out at CruiseControlRadio.com. We'll be right back. Cruise Control Radio goes live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. To listen, click the link on our homepage. Go to www.CruiseControlRadio.com. Feeling a little dim? Don't blame your brain or the weather. Hazy headlights may be the problem. Hazed or cloudy plastic headlights can reduce your vehicle's visibility on the road, making it very difficult to see the road and for other cars to see you. Now you can restore plastic headlight lenses to like-new clarity with the Lens Renewal Kit from 3M, an easy-to-use solution for removing the yellowing and hazing that reduces headlight performance and visibility. For more information, visit www.3mcarcare.com. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control Radio. We're taking you on a ride around the memory lane of uh, Lincoln Continental. You don't have to say it's in the past because it's not. They've got a coach door model. I actually got to see that less. Uh, they had it at the holiday party, the Lincoln Holiday Party here in New York, and did a reveal. Pretty cool. A lot of engineering. I'm anxious,
0: anxious to see that.
1: Yeah. Well, we are talking with Ted Ryan, who is the Ford Lincoln Archives and Heritage Brand Manager. Ted, I think we're going to have to have you on again because you you've got a lot, yep. lot of interesting heritage here, and we love that here at Cruise Control Radio. We are up to uh, we are up to about what the Mark II, uh, and we've got to go to the next generation. I'm looking at a generation now. Uh, a couple of pictures here I have that I downloaded from Haggerty. Um, and it's got kind of slanted headlights. I don't know what year
0: that. Oh, that's
2: was. a that's a fifty. I'm not, I'd I'd have to see the picture you're looking at. Uh, yeah, it's the um, yeah,
0: it's the late fifties with the uh, the slanted four headlights uh, and the huge bumper and the scallops on the sides. Yeah, uh, I remember those because yeah. a friend of mine in high school's
1: parents had one. Wow, and it
0: had the power self lubrication system.
1: So you never had to lubricate the front end is no, that No, you'd
0: push a button and it would lubricate all the fittings. Wow. And
1: okay. it had the Fantastic.
0: it was a hard top and it had that slanted rear window that actually rolled down electrically.
1: I remember the I remember the the crank models of those too. That that you would they had a crank on the um on the hat rack as we would call it. and uh, neat stuff, neat stuff. Now,
2: just yeah, I'm, I'm in my image database right now and I've got I've got an online system that I logged into for it's internal only for for us, but he's 100% correct 1958 Lincoln Continental with with the four headlight fixture like that so
1: and they always one. always did a, a lot of wild styling you look at the front of that bumper and and that the the fender how it flares out there it's really taken taken a uh, uh, a risk and taken uh, you know being very stylish um if-
0: it's, as a car restorer, I, I look at that bumper, and I think if I were restoring this, it would cost me about $4,000 just to re-chrome that bumper.
1: <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> um, but what I remember of these Ted in um, older versions, when they got really big, I kind of liked them with a the super long hood in the 70s. Probably all through the 70s, I would say. Yeah. They uh, they had special editions. They came with the four hundred and sixty. Um, and that that was kind of my favorite generation because they were for long and low, for sure.
2: And they had the opening headlights where you'd turn on the lights and yep. the, the, the headlights were hidden and they would reveal and suddenly they would turn on. When I think of those cars, I think of the French Connection, which was a 1972 oh, Lincoln, right. and yep. just yeah. as you described. Very square, uh, the front end, the beautiful chrome in the front. And, uh, and as long as a boat, I mean, it was like turning around a yacht to turn one of those cars.
1: And didn't they have a whole series? Uh, it was, uh, I think, a Quinn Martin show, Cannon, where the guy drove. <laughs> it was, the, oh yeah, I forget the actor's name, heavy set guy, but he drove. <sighs> always drove Continentals.
2: Yes, one hundred percent. You know, it was. They had a lot of power too. Is what a lot of people don't realize is that the Continentals they pack some wallop under the hood. And uh, they were, well, that's why they were the the car of choice for the Secret Service for the presidential limousines as well. Yeah. is yes, they had the luxury, they had the styling, and they had the graciousness, but it had had some giddy-up under the hood as well.
1: And and let's talk a little bit about the lineage of the car. It kind of, uh, it comes in and out of production, as sometimes models do. They go away for a few years, they come back. It was always a technology car, one I remember, uh, was uh going to the dealership with my dad in 1996, and that model I believe was based on the Thunderbird. And I remember going out to the back lot; they had a carb out there. My dad was buying a a, a Grand Marquis, and uh, they said, "Just move that." Cont-. The guy gave me the keys. He said, "Move that Continental up, and you can pull the other." This was the salesman's like, "Okay," and. I just remember sitting in it, and it was like a spaceship, basically.
0: Yeah, they were – well, they were very uh, very advanced. And, I, Ted, didn't, uh, didn't some of the stylists back then kind of try to achieve the you're flying an airplane kind of look?
2: They did, and it was supposed to be luxury at your, your fingertips. I'm glad you said that. The, the current Lincoln slogan is quiet flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're oh, supposed cool. to feel like you're moving effortlessly uh, as you drive the car. That 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 ninth generation one you described, the '95 one, actually also took on the rounded uh, shape that had been pioneered by the Ford Taurus, uh, that the jelly bean design, where the cars became more aerodynamic. Uh, the, the squares went away and were replaced by the beautiful curves. Uh, but uh, you're supposed to when you get in the the driver's seat of a Lincoln Continental you're supposed to feel like you're getting in a cockpit and that you have everything at your fingertips and that once again Edsel Ford's DNA of luxury and design and engineering meet together in the Continental.
1: And then of course it came back in 2017 the current model uh, which has been very popular right?
2: It is it's very popular I I personally I love the the current Lincoln Continental and the coach door version that the we announced and we created the 80 Special Edition, uh, those actually took the base Lincoln Continental car and they went to a custom coachmaker who lengthened the car by I believe 12 inches and did the center opening doors and the locking mechanism and engineering that goes into the way those doors open and, and uh, it's just astounding. I, I sat in one at the opening, at the premiere of the car, the introduction of the car, I thought to myself, even Shaquille O'Neal could get in and out of this car without any trouble. It, you know, it feels like you're entering a, a, a room as opposed to a car.
1: Yeah, I you know what I would love? Win the lottery, you have a, a Lincoln Continental, the current one, uh, with the coach doors and a driver to take you everywhere. Wouldn't that be nice? And I'm a car guy. I like driving. But uh, wouldn't that be nice to have? Where they're like, sir, here's your car, and the coach door opens, and and you hop in there, and you're in your own little quiet luxury, uh, you know, <laughs> concealment device, and it would be wonderful. Um, Ted, I want to ask, what is the most popular um, generation of the Lincoln Continental as far as sales and kind of the longest run?
2: The the most popular would be the 61 coach door series because that one remained essentially unchanged with with updates over time, uh, for seven years, I believe. I believe sixty eight was when it when it, the first major modification was made. Uh, within the collectors world, the Mark II and the sixty one Coach door series are, without a doubt, the most popular. In fact, if you give me a choice, if I get two Lincoln's, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to take the sixty one coach door. But then I'm gonna put, I'm gonna take the new Corsair, which I don't know if you guys have seen that car yet. Oh, that's beautiful! But to me, uh, I'm,
0: it know, is, I'm scheduled to get in one of those, you um, co- know, in a few months.
1: Yeah, it's
0: it's oh, you're
1: gonna love it. The interiors are out of this world with yeah, the Lincoln. just beautiful. Yeah, very
2: As cool. Is because the it has the, it has the Lincoln DNA, and I, when I was talking to one of the designers, I, I said, "You're carrying the." The Edsel Ford DNA all the way from the original Continental into this crossover SUV because I, I sat in. I was like, this is this is the ultimate luxurious car, but it's, at the same time it's functional. I've got four kids. I, you know, I can throw the football equipment in the back, and uh, you know we we can go for a trip. It, it's it's everything that you want a Lincoln to be. So well, so I'm sorry to give a current ad, but no, you know, I, if that... I get two Lincolns, I'm thinking the '61 and the, the new Corsair. <laughs>
1: Now, you know, it's interesting, you bring up an interesting point, Ted, because the the Continental has changed through the years. Two-door, four-door, back to two-door, back to four-door. Do you think we'll ever see a Lincoln Continental that is actually a crossover with the actual Continental name on it?
2: I would never say never to anything in the automobile industry because you keep current by keeping ahead and styles change, trends change, and the best... Work that the designers do is trying to anticipate what the next generation is going to want because by the time my grandparents or grandkids are buying cars, they'll be different.
1: Absolutely. Hey, Ted Ryan, Ford Lincoln Archives and Heritage Brand Manager, we appreciate you talking with us about the Lincoln Continental. I'm Fred Staub, I'm Les Jackson. We're going to see you down the road. Bye. Cruise Control Radio is your on-air automotive magazine. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com for more information.